Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. Amen. Well, just go ahead and pick a book out of the Bible, whatever one you want to read from. I, I picked one, and I'm going to 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you'd like to come with me, by all means, join in. Join in. I'm in 1 First, First Samuel 17. Go ahead, Cody, you come on down there. You're like, dear Lord, are you going to release me? Please release me. <laughs> First Samuel chapter 17. This may be a familiar passage to you. It may be a very familiar story, but it doesn't have to be familiar tonight. Thank you, Lord. I want to speak to you tonight. If you're taking some notes, I'd, you may want to write this down. But I want to, I want to speak to you for the next few moments, <laughs> however long those moments are. I want to talk to you tonight about dealing with giants. Dealing with giants. And, and you may want to put in parentheses an appetite for victory. An appetite for victory. Come on, are you with me tonight? Somebody say dealing with giants. Come on. Thanks, Faith. Dealing with giants, an appetite for victory. Before we begin to read 1 Samuel chapter 17, I want to set this scripture in place. And I know this drives some of you bananas when I do this to tell you to hold your place. But just put it in your notes tonight. It's Daniel chapter 11 and verse 32. The prophet Daniel chapter 11 verse 32. And it says this. It says, but the people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Ha-ha. The people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Say it with me. The people who know their God, they shall be strong and do great exploits. Now, exploits, what does that mean? If you're taking notes, if you're not taking notes, you may want to write this down too. Exploits means the most heroic act within warfare. If you do an exploit, it means you are actually breaking into the most, a level of the most heroic act of warfare. That's what it means, exploits. Those who know their God, they shall be strong and they shall do exploits. We're going to journey tonight I don't normally teach or preach minister like this. Sometimes I preach from a text. Sometimes I preach my way to a text. And many of you know, if you've been around here for some time, you know that we normally have around 20 to 30 texts because we use the Bible here. How many of you are very thankful that we, we use the Bible? Are you thankful that we use our Bibles here at Victory? So tonight you should be able to follow along because we're going to read 58 verses together. <laughs> this is powerful. I feel this is right where the Lord wants to bring us tonight. I want to talk to you about dealing with giants. I believe that the Lord, by His Spirit, is cultivating within us an appetite for victory and breakthrough for the United States of America. Come on, don't give me a golf clap. Come on. The Lord, the Lord is cultivating and stirring up our faith and stirring up our fire 
and our vision right now for great epic breakthrough for the United States of America. I've been decreeing it ever since I wrote Unstoppable and Unquenchable Fire. The word that the Lord gave me was, America will have the ultimate comeback. And I'm not retreating from it. I'm not retreating from my faith. I'm not giving up my hope. I'm not relenting in the battle. And, and let me tell you just straight up, let me go toe-to-toe with you tonight. Can I go with you? Can you go with me tonight? We aren't, we aren't the type of people who's going to start making excuses to get out of battles. We are the type of people who are going to run forward in faith into the battle and see epic breakthrough by the Spirit of the Lord. Well, that's all I got. So just read 1 Samuel. You're going to love it. So verse 1. <laughs> now the Philistines. Ah, oh, Israel's nemesis. The long-standing rival. The Philistines, they... They gathered their armies together to the battle, and they were gathered to Sukkot, which belongs to Judah, and they camped between Sukkot and Azekah and Ephsdamon. And Saul, now who is Saul? Saul was the first king of Israel whose heart actually turned vile and corrupt in the end. It's, a, it's an absolute tragic, tragic story of King Saul. Saul and the men of Israel, they were gathered together and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up a battle array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. You see that? Those of you that were on our Israel team, we, we never went to the Valley of Elah. We were, we were going to see if we were going to make that on our bus route to go there and throw some stones. But we didn't make it there. And maybe we will next year. God willing, maybe we'll make it next year. Victoria, thank you for saying amen. Come on. Come on. Do we have some faith in here? All right. That's her middle name. She has to say it. Victoria Faith. <laughs> And so they gathered together, there was a, they, the, the Philistines were on one side of the mountain ridge, on the other side was the camp of Israel, and there was a valley in between them. Verse 4, and then a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath. He was from the city of Gath. His height was six cubits and a span. Now what is that? It is nine feet, four inches. <laughs> he was huge. Nine feet, four inches. He was six cubits in a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head. He was armed with a coat of meal or mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. Now, you got to think about that overlay. It's like a knight's coat, you know, that thick, you know, turning of a knight's coat. Just amazing how, how thick that thing was and heavy. It was. Think about that. And the coat of meal that he wore, it, it, it was 5,000 shekels of bronze. He had a bronze, he had bronze armor on his legs, and a bronze javelin between his shoulders, 
And now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. And a shield-bearer went before him. And then he stood, and he cried out to the armies of Israel, and he said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself, and let him come down to me. And if he's able to fight me and kill me, we will be your servants. But if... I prevail against him and I kill him, then you shall be our servants. So here's the terms. Thank you, Goliath. There's the terms. Verse 10, and the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that, I may fight, that we may fight together. And when Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed, and they were greatly afraid. They were dismayed and greatly afraid. Let me, let me give you a translation. They were dealing with major fear. Okay? Are you with me tonight? So they were dealing with fear. And verse 12 says, Now David the son of the Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, he had eight sons. The man was old, he was advanced in years in the days of Saul. And the three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul in battle. Name of his three sons who went to battle were Eliab, the firstborn, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest. Of how many children? Eight. He was the youngest. And the three oldest, they followed Saul, but David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep in Bethlehem. And I've been to Bethlehem, and I love the mountain ridge of Bethlehem. And the Philistines drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. And then Jesse said to his son David, now... Take for your brothers an ephod of dried grain and these ten loaves of bread and run to your brothers at the camp and carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand and see how your brother fare, your brothers fare. And bring back news of them. That was his assignment. Everybody see that? It's pretty simple, right? That's his assignment in the natural but God was actually setting David up for a divine assignment. It's very simple. It's a very simple point. You've probably heard it before. But what if right now, beyond virtual reality, beyond the mundane, beyond the mundane of your life, beyond the mundane of your weeks, beyond the mundane of your work, of everything that's happening in your life, what, is, what, if, what if God is actually setting you up for a divine appointment? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I mean he might. I mean, is there any faith in here? And so Saul, and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah. And notice it says they were fighting with the Philistines. That's, that's just not really what was happening. Because fighting, fighting is not just about words. How many of you know that? 
I mean, I remember growing up and getting in your first fight, you know, in elementary or junior high. You know, that, that was fighting in junior high. It was words. It was a little bit of push and shove. There was no swords. There was no spears. There was, there was no shields clanging. There was no blood. There was none of that. Look what it says. It says they were fighting the Philistines, but really they weren't. It was a bunch of talk going on. I want you to see that. There's hot talk going on, but there's really no action. It's just people, people all arrayed, coming out, bringing their banners, setting up their flags. They've got all of their swords shined up. Shields are sh- 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 I got help me, Lord. Shields are shined up. I got to be careful with those words. Shields are shined. Swords are shined. Right. They're dressed up. They look hot. They look ready for battle. They look tough. They look strong. Their banners are flying. The wind's flying. Banners are whipping in the wind. That's what it means, a battle array. If you set up a battle array, it means you got your flags. You got your colors. You're ready to go. But, but they're all dressed up, and no one's doing jack. And jack in the Hebrew means, yeah, you got it. So it doesn't mean anything. They weren't doing nothing. They weren't doing nothing. They, they looked sharp, but they weren't accomplishing anything. All right, that's starting to sink in. Starting to sink in. So David rose in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded. He came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and shouting for the, ba- and, and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up a battle array, there it is again, army against army, verse 22. And David left his supplies in his hands with the supply keeper and ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. And then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words. And so David now hears them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him. And they were dreadfully, dreadfully afraid. In other words, intimidation is now working on this army of men. A spirit of intimidation. A spirit of fear is backing them up. They're not moving forward. They're not in advancement. They're in fear. They're backing up. They're in fear. They're backing up. Intimidation is coming against them. They're backing up. What do we do now? So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter, and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Let's all do the math. Scratch your head. Sounds like a pretty good deal. (laughs) David's ears go up. (laughs) I'll come again. Say that again. What's going to happen? David spoke to the men that stood by. What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine? Watch the next words. And takes away the reproach from Israel. Did you see those words? Don't miss that. What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? This is so powerful. And I, I have to pause in this moment. 
Because this is what I want to bring out. It was, it was the prophet Jeremiah who later would say that God was going to give Israel shepherds after God's own heart. He would raise up shepherds after God's own heart who would feed the flock with wisdom and knowledge and understanding. That's Jeremiah 3, 15. And so David, young David, goes on his journey. He, he is sent on his mission. He's delivered the bread. He's delivered the grain. He's delivered the cheeses. He's turned it all over. Now he's listening, and now his ears are perking up. But I love what he says here. Tell me what's going to be done to the man who kills the Philistine, but also takes away the reproach from Israel. I submit to you, there was something that God was putting as a seed in his spirit for the heart of the nation. There is something beyond just our little worlds. I will tell you, there's something beyond just our little city, our little seaside city or our region, there is a nation that God is at war to win for, for the prophetic destiny of the United States of America that God's people must awaken to. And the Holy Spirit is summoning us. He is issuing an invitation, and he's calling you into the ranks. He's calling you into a place so that God can position you for breakthrough for this country. He didn't know it. He didn't know it. He was being divinely set up. He was just doing what he was told. His dad said, go and make the delivery. He didn't know it. But God was going to drop the seed for the nation. Here it is. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, David goes low for the private parts immediately. <laughs> What's up? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? I want to give you translation. When he says uncircumcised Philistine, really what he was pointing to is we are a people who is in covenant with God. God gave a covenant to our father Abraham and this land is our land and nobody can take it from us. He was pointing to covenant. We've been given a covenant, and the sign of the covenant was the circumcision. Who is this circumcision? Who's the big mouth? Who is this God mocker? Who is this God hater? Let me rise up and deal with this. Man, I like this. I'm feeling this. Come on. Come on. It's, the, it's not about being macho. It's about moving in the anointing. Come on. The anointing is not hype. The, the anointing is not the strength of man. It's the strength of the Spirit of God. Come on. Thanks for saying amen. Come on. Come on. Are you with me tonight? And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So it shall be done for the man who kills him. Oh, here it comes. Verse 18. And then Eliab, the older brother, he, he heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger arose against David. And he said, uh, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left your few little sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride. I know the insolence of your heart. 
for you've come down to just see the battle. Can you just hear the condescension in Eliab's voice? He's so condescending. I know what's in your heart. I know the pride. What, what are you even doing here? Notice how he condescends his assignment of watching after the sheep. Which if he wouldn't have learned how to shepherd and steward the sheep or pasture the sheep, God could have never raised him up to become a national deliverer. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. And David said, uh, what have I done now? Uh, what, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? And then he turned from him towards another, and he said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first one did. I want you to, I want you to see that. I know I'm reading slow. We're capturing the story. But I want you to watch the body language. That's called the body language of faith. If people condescend you, if people misjudge you, mistreat you, you know what you just do? You just turn your back to them. I didn't mean to turn my back towards you. I just thought, dear God, I just turned my back towards them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's all you got to do. When a big mouth is just big mouthing you, bringing intimidation, bringing condescension, all you got to do is just turn away from them. All right. I thought, I thought that was a good word. I, I don't know, maybe. Verse 31. Now when the words which David spoke, here it is. Here comes faith. Say it, here comes faith. Now the words, when the words that David was speaking or spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul and they sent for him. And then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Saul said to David, uh, you're not able to go against the Philistine and fight with him. You're just a youth. He's a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, hear these words, your servant used to keep his father's sheep and a lion and bear came and took a lamb out of the flock. I went after it and I struck it and I delivered the lamb from its mouth and when it arose against me, I caught it by the beard and I struck it and I killed it. Oh, woo. I'm digging that. I'm liking that. He's like, let me tell you where I've been. Before you judge me, let me tell you where I've been. I've clocked in some mileage you don't know about. This isn't my first rodeo. I've clocked in some good miles with God. And I found out God was actually with me. Are you hearing, David? I'm trying to help it along, you know. <laughs> I went and I struck it and I delivered the lamb. It's so personal the way he says it. It's so personal. He was in such close proximity of the enemy, of a lion. So close that he was able to pull the lamb, extract the lamb from its mouth, and then grab it by its beard and kill it. That's, come on. Come on. That's bad. Bad to the bone. Bad. 
your servant is killed. Oh, that was so bad. Sorry. <laughs> that was so pitiful. Sorry. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this un here, here he comes again. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. My God. He's defied the armies of the living God. David's past battles now have taught him how to have faith in the present. Man, this is so good, guys. It's so rich. And it's for this moment of July 2020 right now. For the battle that we are engaged in for the very soul, for the very heart, for the very prophetic destiny of our nation and for our families and for our cities and for our communion. Our community, because everything is in the crunch zone. Have you recognized that? Have you recognized everything's in the crunch? Have you have you recognized they're erasing all the lines and trying to bring us closer into another corner and back us up and bring fear and bring intimidation and the word of intimidation and the word of fear and you can't do this anymore and now you have to do that. But David's past has taught him some things. And the truth is, every one of you have a spiritual reservoir within you where God has walked you through past battles that became past victories. You carry trophies within you of triumph. You carry trophies within you of overcoming, of deliverance, of chains being broken. You do. Every one of us do. Every one of us do. My God, where would we be without God? I remember last year someone who I love dearly was mocking me, mocking my relationship with God. You know, I told him, I said, I'm going to tell you something. If I, if I began to doubt the very existence of God, I would have to begin to doubt my own existence. Because God is so real to me without Him, there's no way I could even be a being. My God. Okay, anyway, so we're back to the scripture. Okay, verse 37, moreover, David said, watch this. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And one more time. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. See, what, what he was doing, what was David doing? He was saying, Saul, I'm going to tell you where my secret source of confidence and power comes from. It is the Lord who delivered me. And David said to Saul, or excuse me, and Saul said to David, <laughs> go and the Lord be with you. Wow. Now, let's ask these questions. How did that happen? How, how did he convince Saul to allow him to go and to fight Goliath? I submit this to you. I submit this to you. Because when David was in the privacy of Saul's military tent, 
When he began to speak faith, faith changes an atmosphere. When you come into an atmosphere that is sterile, that is barren, that is dead, an atmosphere that is hopeless, and someone comes in and they are so conscious and cognitive and let's use the word aware. They have an awareness of the Spirit of God. When they're so conscious of the presence of God abiding within them, and they know that presence, they know that they are hidden in Christ, and Christ is hidden within them. And when they begin to speak and release faith, what happens is, is it shifts an atmosphere, but it also brings into confrontation the spirit that is in that atmosphere. It means when faith is being spoken, the cowardice spirit will have a divine confrontation. When faith is spoken, a divine confrontation will happen to the spirit of fear. Years ago, I was speaking at a conference with Tommy Tenney, our first time, and he said, Brian, he said, when you speak, he said, you are an atmosphere architect. And I'll never forget it. I've never forgot the word. He said, Brian, you are an atmosphere architect. When you begin to speak, the atmosphere begins to shift and change. You know what it is? It's faith. I'm telling you, it's faith. It has nothing to do with natural things. Your, your coat, your shirt, your hair, your boots. It has nothing to It's It's faith. Because when faith is released, it begins to shift out or clean out an atmosphere of confusion. You understand, Goliath's words of intimidation, these words that are being pronounced over America by the false prophets of the media are bringing such a snare and a trap of manipulation and intimidation on the soul of our country. I, listen, I can't imagine what it's like right now to be five, six, eight, ten. To think about their little minds growing up in this nation right now and what they're seeing and how their whole world is being turned upside down. Even you can't even go to school. You you have to stay home and you all of these new boundaries, I can't even imagine. And I think about what's going on on the, on, the, on the little minds and the souls of our precious seed, our precious kids in the United States of America growing up in this era of time. I think about the stress that all of us have been enduring that we don't often always talk about. I don't get up, I don't get up in this pulpit and talk to you about the high level of stress of my life or the high level of the conversations of other pastors that are so struggling in fights with their elder boards and fight fights with staff churches shutting down churches I mean I mean chaos and to God be the glory we are here we are in a spirit of unity and God is meeting every need to God be the glory To God be the glory. To God be the glory. To God be the glory.
Here we are, here we are, a young ministry. We're about to, this, this church is about to turn three years old in September. And here we've been through COVID writing checks for other ministries. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Man, all I can speak is faith. <laughs> God help us. I submit to you tonight, it is time for giants to fall. It is time. It is time. Listen, you got to get some veracity about you. You call it whatever you want. I'll, I'll just choose veracity. Okay? You, you got to get some courage. You got to get some faith. Okay? You got you to get some strength. You, you are not weak. You, listen, you, <laughs> you are not weak. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives and dwells in you. There is more power. I need more microphone. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going out. There is more power on the inside of you than all of the armies of the earth combined. The Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. It says that God manifested his mighty power when he took his son and raised him up out of death to life. That Spirit is in you. And that means you are not weak. Steve, it means you are powerful. You have innovation in you. You have creativity in you. You have a prophetic nature in you. You have powerful dreams in you. It means that you have solutions. When David spoke in Saul's tent, faith released solutions. Wisdom. And the wisdom is going to keep going because we're going to keep reading this text. It is time, guys, it is time for the giant of abortion to fall. It is time for the giant of militant homosexuality to fall. My God. It is time... For the giants of lawlessness, lawlessness and corruption and anarchy to fall flat in Jesus' name. I want to declare by faith tonight, it is time for wicked legislation that is coming against our religious liberties to be taken down to be taken down. It's now. It's now. It's now. The battle is now. We are not the people who's going to make excuses to stay out of these battles. This is our watch. This is our time. This is our battle. And it's time to wage a good warfare with our fight. I, listen, I, I'm not mad at anybody in here. I can only imagine what my face looks like every week. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just trying to preach strong and equip you. Preach on. Preach on. 
preach on, preach, preach until your dreams. Oh, sorry, sorry. I don't know where that went. <laughs> You're welcome, Aerosmith. It's time. It's time. I told the Lord the other night, and I wrote it in my journal. I said, Lord, I will not surrender my nation to these wolves. I will not surrender my nation to these devils. No. Another giant that must fall is these corrupt and wicked, vile leaders. They must be plucked up out of their seats of authority. They have to be. They have to be. Righteousness and justice has to come to these wicked, foul leaders that are destroying this nation. And they have a seared conscience in doing it. They're absolutely loony crazy. No conscience whatsoever. It's time, folks. I'm telling you, listen, we're not here just to have a pep rally or talk or dress in our battle or raise our flags. We have got to engage in the battle in this hour. We've got to engage. And, and, and listen, I, I, I am stirring you because God, behind the curtains and the scene, He is getting you ready to win major battles. Every one of us in this room, he is, he is getting us ready and equipping us and building our faith because the time's going to come. You're going to have to step out on the center stage and deal with it. It may be in the educational mountain. It may be in the arts mountain. It may be in the government mountain. It may be in the family mountain. It may be in the church mountain. But you're going to have to step out and step up. This is really weird. Saul's like, yeah, yeah, David, let's do this. <laughs> I mean, here they are in the tent. He's confused. He's scared. He's intimidated. And now, all of a sudden, he, it's like he gets this, uh, 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 maybe an adrenaline rush. He's like, well, I just found a strategy. Let me suit you up in my armor. I, I have an idea. I, I have a great idea. Let me suit you up. And so... Verse 38, so Saul clothed David with his, with his armor. Are you there? He clothed David in his armor, and he, he put a bronze helmet on his head, and so he, he clothed him with a coat of mail, and David fastened the sword to his armor, and, and he tried to walk, for he had not tested them. Some comedy coming. David said to Saul, uh, I can't even walk in these. I haven't even tested them. David took them off. And then watch this. He took a staff. I love this. He took a staff. What is that? It's the shepherd's rod. It's the shepherd's rod. He took a staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones in a brook. And he put them in the shepherd's bag and in a pouch, which he had, and a sling in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. I'm not going to belabor this part. I was going to talk to you about the five smooth stones and talk to you for a while about Goliath's brothers. Because he had four brothers. I'm not going to go into that tonight. You can read about that if you want it. Put it in your notes. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 21, verses 15 through 22. 
and it shares it shares their names and uh, one of them was he, <laughs> he uh one of them he was he's an unnamed giant he has six fingers on each hand and six toes on each feet did you know that's in your bible it's really in your bible these were some nasty critters fellas <laughs> my my what watch verse 41 you ready I'm rounding the bases really slow because what, what am I doing? I want to tell you what I'm not doing. Let, let me tell you what, let, look this way. I'll tell you what I'm not doing. I'm not romanticizing a historical story about David. What I'm doing tonight is opening the words of life and letting the word roll into your spirit because when it happens, faith is like fire. It builds and it ignites and it prepares you for the battle that is coming to your front door. The Philistine came and he began drawing near to David. I'm in verse 41. Are you there? Are you there? And the man who bore a shield, he went before him. And when the Philistine looked and he saw David... He disdained him, for he was only a youth. He was, he was ruddy, and he was good-looking. Isn't that nice? David had that going for him. He was good-looking. <laughs> and so the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Now, don't hurdle over that very quickly. He cursed David by his gods. What, what happened there? He was literally trying to use curses and witchcraft because he disdained him that bad. Look this way. Have you ever, have you ever seen a president of the United States of America that's got Satanists and occultists flying in from other nations to, to our nation's capital to do warfare against him and shut down his administration? We, we have never seen a day like this day. We Listen, the vampires are not hiding in the shadows anymore, folks. The vampires are coming out at day, and they're meaning business. Why am I, why am I telling you this is happening? Because the hour of our, our epic divine confrontation is about to come. And I know it's coming. The Lord's been telling me for a long time it's coming. And it's going to be like a showdown like on Mount Carmel. It's going to be a showdown of the spirit of Elijah when we come against the forces of darkness. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to be out for everybody's eyes to see. And then we're going to see whose God is God. It's coming. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. He tries to put curses on David, verse 44, and the Philistine said to David, come to me, come to me. I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Aha! And David said to the Philistine, you coming with me at a, with a sword? You coming at me at, with a sword? You coming with a spear and a javelin? But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Oh, I love it. You see that? He lifts it to a whole nother dimension and a realm of responsibility. He's like, basically, here's the interpretation. No, pal, you don't recognize this. I'm running at you and I'm not alone. 
heaven is about to back me. This is for you. This is not just about David. This is, this is you. It's time to run at the enemy. It's time to run at the battles. It's time to let God use you to be the mouthpiece. It's time to let God use you to speak faith. It's time for God to use you to stand bold against the works of the enemy. He says, no, 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 no. I come at you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day, this day. Here it is, this day. The Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you. I will take your head from you. Yeah, I want this guy on our staff here at the church. I love this guy. I mean, I mean, imagine all that, that Jesus had to put up with with Peter. Did you know that Peter was not aiming for, for that guy's ear in the garden? Did you know that? Three of you got that. I'm going to try this. Did you, did you know that? He only, when, when they were in the garden of Gethsemane, when, when Peter took out the sword, he was only able to get off an ear. He wasn't going for an ear, folks. He was going for a head. I mean, could you imagine if, if he would have been successful, Jesus just picking up a head? <laughs> oh, man, that, oh, the God, that's awful. Hold on, guys, just put, put your head back on there. There you go. Take that, receive that. You're good. You're looking good. Yeah, just move it around a little bit, left, right, back a little bit. He's good. He's, she's good. Okay. Okay, who were you seeking? Jesus of Nazareth. I am he. <laughs> they all fall out on the ground. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This day, he says, I'm going to take your head. And this day, I will give your carcass of the camp of Israel to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. And all the earth may know that there is a God. In Israel. I love those words. Goliath, so that, so that my name, David, will be famous throughout the earth and everybody will praise me. No, no, no. He pointed. Everybody will know there is a God. A living God in Israel. A living God in Israel. And then all the assemblies shall know the Lord does not save by sword and spear. Watch this. For the battle is the Lord's. He will give you into our hands. Verse 48. And so it was when the Philistine arose. He came and he drew near to meet David. David hurried and ran. Ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. I just want you to write this down. David was not on the defensive. He was on the offensive. And some of you came in this room tonight. You feel like you're always on the defensive. You feel intimidated. You feel fearful. Like everybody's painting you into a corner. You are not. You are the church that Jesus Christ is building. That he said the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Folks, this is, we have to get, we have, we, I'm including myself, we have to get our minds renewed. This will be our finest hour 
on planet earth. Before Jesus comes for a bride without spot, blemish, or wrinkle, God is going to raise his people in power to a divine confrontation of evil, to deal with the forces of evil, to deal. It says that Jesus was manifested for this very purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And the reason you and I are sent forth to be manifested in this hour is to enforce the victory that Jesus has already fully, completely won. I want to ask you, do you, do you have a hunger inside of you for triumph? Do you, or, or are you letting the news quench you? Do you, have a, do you have a bold, bold veracity about you that, you know what, I'm not backing down. I'm not talking about a spirit of rebellion. I'm talking about the spirit of God rising up in you and saying, you know what, no, 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 no. I have an appetite, and that appetite is growing. I have an appetite for breakthrough. I have an appetite for breakthrough. I'm telling you, <laughs> listen, I'm believing the word that, that prophet Kim Clement gave. And it, I, I see it all the time. I see it all the time. And I, I can't explain this, but several years ago, I kept seeing Kim Clement's boots, his combat boots, sitting on the Mount of Olives facing the Golden Gate there at the Temple Mound, I kept seeing it, and God was calling me to come. I'm not going to, I don't want you to think more than, 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 than what it is, okay? Okay, I'm, I'm not stepping into Kim's boots. Are you kidding me, dear God? Here's what I want to say. God was inviting me to come into agreement with the Word, it's to step into an alignment with the Word. He said, he said, that in the second term, Donald Trump would be baptized in the Holy Ghost and with fire. He said, and we all know, he, he is an, he, I, don't, I don't like to use the word baby. I almost said baby Christian. He, he's a new Christian. I mean, I mean, try, try, how many of you know, you know, and I want to be careful with this. How many of you know people in their mid-70s? Some of you are in your mid-70s. <laughs> so do you, do, you know, do you know what I know about people in their mid-70s? They, they all believe you can't, you know, really teach an old dog new tricks. They've been around the block. They, they're, they're pretty much set in their ways. How many of you know that? Am I, am I right there? Am I right there, Tom? <laughs> he's, like, he's like, son. You're treading on thin ice. <laughs> no, here's what, I, here's what I'm saying. Donald Trump is in his mid-70s. When you get to that age in your life, man, you've seen it all. You've done it all. You've been there. And you've also created some cycles and patterns of living and the way that you think and the way that you construct how, how you operate with people. Your construct of your world is very framed. Now imagine being in your mid-70s, you've just come to Christ just a few years ago, and you're just growing, and you're the president of the United States of America. Now think that through. 
I am believing and I am declaring this word, the baptism of fire. The baptism of fire, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I pray it all the time. Brent Brent can tell you, I pray this all the time in our home. All the time. In a personal prayer, I'm praying that I'm going to be in the rose garden with my hand on him when it happens. That was a transparent moment. I'm serious. I'm believing I'm going to be right there with others. I'm going to see him get deluged. <laughs> you know why? Because I have an appetite for victory. I have an appetite. I have a hunger for triumph. I am so sick of what these devils have done to our country. We are not giving our country to the wolves. We're not. This is our time. This is our watch. This is our watch. This is our time. This is our hour. David put his hand in his bag. I'm in verse 49. You're like, dear God, how long does it take you to read 50 verses? Then David put his hand in his bag and he took out the stone. He slung it and he struck. I love this. He struck the Philistine in his forehead and so the stone sank. Into his forehead. Oh, I love that. This is where I'm like, Mel Gibson, my God, make the movie already. (laughs) Josiah, call Mel. Let's get this going. Let's get this thing going, you know. It sank into his forehead. He fell on his face to the earth, and David prevailed over the Philistine with the sling and a stone. And he struck the Philistine, and he killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Verse 51, you ready? Therefore David, he ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of his sheath, and he killed him, and he cut his head off with it. Woo! He cut his head off with it. He cut his head off with it. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. And now the men of Israel and Judah, they rose and they shouted. They pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley of the gates, Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell among the road of Sharon, even as far as Gath and Ekron. We've got just a few more verses. And the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines and they plundered their tents. Now watch this. Then David took the head Sorry, ladies, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to get gross in here. He took the head of the Philistines and he brought it to Jerusalem. Now stay with me because I'm about to close, but we're going to go somewhere in the Holy Ghost. He took the head of the Philistine to Jerusalem and he put his armor in his tent. What, what does that mean? He took all of Goliath's armor, his sword, his spear, his shield, his helmet, his leg pieces, he took the spoil and brought it to the privacy of his tent. Imagine what it was like to fast forward 30 years later and be one of the mighty men of David and to look over, look over in David's warrior tent and to see that sword and for one of those boys to go, tell us that story again. Can I, can I pick that sword up? Yeah, man. Yeah, man, pick it up. 
Tell, tell us the story one more time, David. Oh, I love it. I love it. When Saul saw David going out, I'm in verse 55, against the Philistines, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, uh, <laughs> whose son is this youth? And Abner said, as your soul lives, O king, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And so the king said, inquire whose son this young man is. David returned from the slaughter of the Philistines. Abner took him and he brought him before Saul and the head of the Philistine and with the head of the Philistine in his hand. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like this. And Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Now, I rounded the bases really slow tonight. I hit the ball as far as I can hit it. And now I'm just running to home to slide. This is what I see. And I want you guys to put that picture up tonight. Because this is what I keep seeing everywhere before me in prayer. Oh, I love that. Don't you love that? Ladies, don't you love that? <laughs> Ladies, don't you love, go ahead and give a round of applause. You love that? <laughs> this is a, a very iconic depiction. It's an, it's an art piece here of young David. In the, he's there in the Valley of Elah with the severed head. The severed, oh, I love that word, severed head of the giant. He was the tormenting mocking giant. Look at David standing over, standing over the top of the mocking, mocking giant, the tormenting giant. And he stood over him, and how did he do it? He did it in the name of the Lord his God. And I want your mind, I want our mind to be renewed to this. The future does not belong to the God mockers. The future does not belong to the God haters. It belongs to the righteous. And I want to say it again. We are not here to make excuses so that we don't have to go to battle. It's not the kind of people we are. This is our fight. This is our hour. God's going to use you. He's going to use you differently than me. He's going to use me differently than you. He wants to enlist and use every one of you. He needs you in this hour. Yes, the Lord needs you in this hour. He needs your heart. He needs your mouth. He needs your courage. He needs your faith. He wants to partner with you. Here's my decree tonight, and I want you to write it down. Here's my decree. America... America, America, in the name of the Lord our God, you are coming out of this dark and evil valley with victory over your giants. America, 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 in the name of the Lord our God, you are coming out of this dark and evil valley with victory over your giants. And here's what else I've got. 
America is not just simply going to come through this wicked valley. America is going to come out of this wicked, dark valley into an unprecedented light, holding the heads of our giants that have tormented this nation. Are you going to let your mind be renewed to that? Are you going to let your appetite for victory grow within you? Are you going to let your appetite for breakthrough simmer and grow and burn within you? I'm going to close with these thoughts. Here's my last thoughts. And I want to go back to the head of Goliath. Take a few notes tonight. The head of Goliath. Cody, I want you to come. What did David do with it? Did he just one day just take that head and just kind of get sick of it like a football? Just went to a big cliff in Jerusalem, just punted it? <laughs> yeah, I'm sick of this thing. What do, you, what do you do with that head? What, what do you do with that head? If you look in 1 Samuel 17 later, this is what you learn. At this time, you have to understand Jerusalem was actually a very insignificant city. Jerusalem was not highly established. You have to know that. Who had just become king? Saul. Jerusalem was not really established. Who was ruling Jerusalem? The Jebusites. Who was living in Jerusalem? Stay with me. I'm giving you something prophetic to end this night, okay? Who, who was living in Jerusalem? The tribe of Benjamin. Who was from the tribe of Benjamin? Saul. The tribe of Benjamin was living within Jerusalem, but the inner sanctum or the, or the stronghold of Jerusalem was occupied by a people called the Jebusites. And when David finally became king, more than 20 years later, the very first, did you catch that? You didn't hurdle that, did you? 20 years. It's called, you got to be in this for the long haul. It's called, you got to be in this for the long haul. It's called, you got to be in this for the long haul. He cut that head off years ago. But here's what happened. He took the head and he put it in Jerusalem. And I'll tell you why, what I believe. I submit this to you tonight. He did it as a prophetic act. Saying, the time is coming. I'm going to rid all of these enemies out of this land so it can become the possession of God and the threshing floor for the manifest presence of the Lord. He took that head. He took that head. He planted it. My God. He planted it in Jerusalem. And then all hell came against him. Saul went raging mad. He runs for his life. Everybody who's jacked comes and follows David. David takes Motley Crue, basically, and, and wheels them into a mighty weapon. Are you tracking with me? You're not tracking with me. Are you tracking with me? He goes through this epic, epic journey. And finally, what happens is, is the tribes who had, who had no unity at the time, listen to this, at the time that David killed Goliath, 
All of the, the tribes were in total disunity. But when David killed Goliath, what it did, it brought the actual army into unity. But it didn't bring the nation into unity. I'm going somewhere with this. A couple more minutes. Please stay with me. He brought the army together, but the tribes were still in, in all kinds of disarray and arguments. There was no unity. There's, that's what I was trying to get to. It just took me a while. There was no unity. There was no unity. Finally, finally, more than 20 years later, they finally caved and said, okay, we're willing now, after all, after all this, we're willing now to make David our king. And the first thing he does, he crawls up the equiduct of, of the inner core of Jerusalem where the waterways were. We've stood there and looked down that equiduct where David climbed up with his mighty men and did a sneak attack in the inside of Jerusalem and killed all the Jebusites and took Jerusalem and made it the capital. Now what am I saying? Here's what I'm saying. Many of us are going to have individual victories. Many of us are going to have many, 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 many powerful, powerful victories. But the greatest, the, the most epic, powerful victory and triumph that we could have together is when this family, like the tribes, there was 12 tribes, when the 12 tribes finally came into unity, they were able to move as one. And David was able to fulfill an epic, epic landscape for it to be on earth as it is in heaven and bring the Ark of the Covenant to the threshing floor and have 24-7 worship where the kingdom of God was coming down upon the earth. Around that Ark of the Covenant, night and day, for 33 years, that every year Jesus would walk the earth, there was unbroken worship night and day. His personal victory finally became a national victory. Are you tracking with me? I know I went long tonight. God could use some in this room that your victories actually become a national victory. Shane is new in our church. Shane, Shane, lift your hand. Shane had a powerful dream. Come here, Shane. I want you to share it. I feel, I feel just really stirred about this, but I want you to share about the torch, okay? I want you to share what the Lord showed you and then what you felt the Lord told you about. Well, I had a dream, and, and in this dream, I seen the Statue of Liberty coming up, and you could see it. It was over Sarasota, and it was, it was huge, and I was like on its shoulder kind of, and I was just, it was over the entire city. But what I seen that was so, so uh, specific on the dream was that the torch was completely on fire, and a good fire. 
And as I woke up, I felt like the Spirit of the Lord quickened my heart. And I believe this with all my heart. Is that God has released a prophetic mantle over Sarasota. God has also released a liberty mantle over Sarasota. And one of the key aspects of that dream was this was the night after 4th of July. And if you know, Black Lives Matter actually tried to shut down the bridge going over to St. Armas. That Statue of Liberty was coming out of the water over that bridge and overlooking the city. There is something in the spirit that is going to break over this city when the people of God catch God's vision. I believe it's also a sign, a sign. It's a national sign. Everyone knows the Statue of Liberty is a national sign. It's a national monument. And we know other things about it, but God is speaking prophetically. God took a man named Moses who fled from the enemy, became a shepherd, and God took him and used him to become a national deliverer. God took a carpenter from Nazareth and made him the deliverer of the entire world. What I'm saying to you, there are victories that you must win for this city and this region and this nation. There's victories ahead of you. I have an appetite, and I believe national victories are just ahead of us. National victories are just ahead of us. And we are decreeing our city, our city will be a city of refuge, a city of hope, a city of peace, a city of miracles, a city of wonders, a city where anarchy will not ever rule, where lawlessness will never rule. This will be a blessed city. Just like it says in Exodus, there was darkness in Egypt, but there was light in Goshen. Hallelujah. Are you tracking with me? There was darkness all over the face of Egypt, but there was light in Goshen. What I'm believing, Philip, they're going to say, look at all the darkness, but look at the torch of God's presence in Sarasota. Come on, give God praise. Stand up. Come on. Give God praise tonight. Come on. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.